Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Rich... Wait, you're not Rich. Wait, wait, wait. Who are who are you? Who are how, who, you're not you're not rich? How did you get on my camera? Who are you, buddy? The elf. No, you ain't buddy the elf. Andrew, how'd you sneak in here? <laughs> Andrew has what? hacked the computer. He's in the he is in the house. No. <laughs> hacking hacking the cameras in your house that I put there was just not enough. <laughs> So not only is he not only does he haunt me in my dreams, not only does he send me things in the mail I don't need, now he's invaded Voice of Reason Radio. Welcome everybody. Welcome Andrew Rappaport. <laughs> Sometimes I send you things you do need. This is true. This is true. And it, I mean you need something to shoot at for target practice, like <laughs> buddy the elf life size. Two of them. Yeah, the, you know, the first one wasn't bad enough. The first one wasn't bad enough, but two of them. Dude. And, and praise God, you pull, did not pull the trigger on the third. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> a third, not lying, folks. There was going to be a third. Andrew might have been gotten. A, you know, we resigned from uh, the the Christian podcast community. Had that shown up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I all joking aside, Andrew is joining me tonight because my good buddy Rich cannot be with us. He is out with his lovely bride as they celebrate her birthday. So if you are friends with Rich and Suzanne's story on social media anywhere, wish her a happy birthday. Uh, wish he could be here tonight, but obviously that is uh, that, that was a little more important. So, <laughs> so what's the story with Rich and his wife? It's, uh, it's her birthday. It's her birthday. So yeah, that, that was a fail. You should have recognized that transition or pun there that he usually does. But I, I'm I just, trying. I'm just, I, you're, you're already flubbing his lines. You're okay, rich. You I tried rich. I tried. He's already flubbing your lines. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I have his lines all queued up and ready. If I need to no. here, well, I did this before and I still stick to it now over the last 10 years off and on. When it comes to ministry versus boxing, boxing is far less violent. <laughs> you see, I agree with with Rich and, there. And Rich is still that is the best thing, one of the best things he's ever said on this show, and he's absolutely correct. So, all right, so clarification for everybody. Yes, you are on Voice of Reason Radio. Uh, yes, it is Friday, the sixteenth of July. We are seven and a half months into this year that still reveals that we are going further and further down the rabbit hole. Hey, uh, did you do know that uh, that Jen Psaki has said for the the Biden administration they're monitoring our our posts and all this. So they're probably we've probably got NSA and CIA agents being really bored right now listening to us. Yeah, well, I, you know, I ended up on my rap report podcast recently. I did a whole thing on something that people may not yes. even be aware of. They need to listen is- to that. The they've actually have they've now released their strategy yep. of dealing with domestic countering domestic terrorists. The problem is, well, Chris, I think you may fit under that definition. See, because <laughs> in their likely. definition, they say um, they, they want to prevent before someone gets violent <laughs> and they, they got to identify before you get violent. How do they do that? Well, Chris, are you any on any platforms that have end to end encryption like like signal or gab or a couple of uh, them a couple of them okay so that you got one strike there you don't happen to think there was any kind of fraud or foul play maybe in the 2020 election do you you mean like in every single election that's ever happened okay so um (laughs) that's two strikes against are are you believing everything they've said about covid 
that from the administration, the Biden administration? Well, no. If I if I did that, I'd have to go back to believing in fairy tales. Ooh, that's three strikes. Okay, <laughs> um, you you don't happen to think that the Biden administration is doing overreach, do you? In 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 your personal life, and overreach. Like that? O- overreach would be the understatement. It's like they've actually launched themselves across the table. Oh, oh, that's four <laughs> strikes. I, I have bad news for you, Chris. According to you know Joe Biden, you, my friend are a domestic terrorist. Uh, you're, you're not violent yet, but they're going to come after you because yeah, you are, you're dangerous there. Yeah, my that, friend. That's what, that's what I keep getting. That's what I keep hearing. Now, now the scariest <laughs> thing about that strategy is that they, they like you're saying with Facebook and things like that, it's, it's not enough. They, they do say they're going to go with, mm-hmm. with dealing with not just uh, private companies. That's one thing that they're going to be doing. They're going to work with private companies, which is dangerous because, well, basically, folks, there's laws that prevent the federal government from spying on you. There are not laws that prevent private companies from spying on you. And so now private companies are acting like government. But, oh, don't worry, it gets better than that because they say they're going to work with foreign allies and other partners. Well, if they're not allies, what are they? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Russia and China are going to be spying on you for Joe Biden. And if you have problems with that, you're a terrorist. Yeah. And I, folks, I, I'll be honest with you. That was actually a very eye-opening program. Although it, for probably a lot of us, not not as big a shock as as confirmation what we already knew. And maybe just a little bit of, a little bit of stunned that you, they said it openly. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to you know they they t- they said the they said the quiet thing out loud is what they basically have started doing so uh, i will definitely put that in the show notes that was from your july 4th episode national strategy for counterterrorism against christians excellent program i did listen to it believe it or not i do listen to your show every once in a while brother <laughs> he said once in a while once in a while i i have a lot i'm trying to keep track of <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't miss an episode of Voice of Reason Radio. Well, that's I'm only that's only because you want you want the outtakes. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I do I do have some great ones here. I mean, you know, we, 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 because Rich isn't here, you know, hey, in honor of Rich, here we go. See that? Although I haven't been frequently. Try that again. I mean, you know, he does provide. I have I've been waiting to use those these clips for years, but. You know, folks, listen, here's the real serious thing. Uh, Have you gotten your Voice of Reason radio T-shirt yet? Because if you haven't, what in the world are you waiting for? (laughs) I've been trying. I've been trying. Contact Chris (laughs) and get your Voice of Reason radio T-shirt and support him doing this program. Come on, folks. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And it's, you know, and what's great is you can do just like uh, Darren Chandler did. You can be wearing it and somebody goes, hey, what's that about? And next thing you know, we've got new subscribers. So. An easy way you get something out of it. We the money goes to the the, the folks at Doctrine and Life and, and supporting their uh, you know the, the the work that they do, trying to help other uh, podcasts like ourselves get swag out there and stuff, and it, it, it makes it possible for them to do things. But it also promotes the show, so it's a great way to do it. And and there's like three shows on there now, so go get some good stuff, man. Yeah, and if and guys, listen, I mean. The way that people get up in the charts, because if you've seen Chris complaining that he's not in the charts, I, mean, I wasn't complaining. I was just oh, <laughs> we saw that in your in your your look, folks. Please keep Chris from crying. 
you know, the, the way to get in the, in the charts is if everybody starts subscribing. So can you go and invite everybody to listen to Voice? Go say, hey, go follow Voice of Reason so he can get on the charts. And and I mean, he carries a pistol all day. You know, we don't want him to use it the wrong way or something. I mean, really, don't, don't say things like that, man. You're gonna get me a, talking to. I don't want to have. He carries a taser. Tase me, bro. Tase me. You want it too much. No. <laughs> no. Well, I, I've been, tr- I've, you know, I've always been wanting to because I've been trained on how to avoid it. I just, you know. All I know is it hurts because I got hit for training and it hurts. Yeah. And I don't encourage anybody to take that ride. So if you can avoid <laughs> it, do it. That's my opinion. <laughs> Unless you're trained how to avoid it. Then well, you have to take that ride a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Once so. was enough for me. <laughs> So, you know, I, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, I, I do this spiritual transition game on, on, you know, that I'm known for, but, uh, Rich does the, the, a different kind of transition. Cause he usually transitions from wherever we, you know, your guys are, you know, joking about into the show. So I guess, you know, I'm not as good as him. So let's talk about headaches. <laughs> That's today's show, right? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> This one will give you a headache. It's it's kind of our uh, Be Christ-like, Not Biblical Part 2. <laughs> uh, and I, I hate to have to do this because I don't like giving this person any spotlight. Every time she opens her mouth, she ends up all over Twitter. And we give her far more attention than, than she really should ever have gotten to begin with. But the arguments are necessary to address. So, yes, this is a migraine inducer. Okay, so uh, this was, today is the 16th, so we're talking three days ago, July 13th. Our, our favorite egalitarian uh, hates the word of God, claims to be a follower of Christ, and says women preachers are where it's at, and the rest of you are just big, ugly, dunderheaded Neanderthals, if you don't believe her. Um, Jory Micah, she put out a, uh, a tweet the other day that just, okay, here we go again, and this is what she posted. She said, I say this often, but obviously not enough. There's a lot of things you say often, and we really wish you would stop it and it would be completely enough, but different story. She says, the goal for Christians is to be Christ-like, not biblical. And she puts biblical in quotes. Literally anything can be justified with biblical perspectives, but do those perspectives align with Jesus's life and teachings? And, and brother, we, Rich and I did this not long ago when Joe Lumen said almost the exact same thing. I think it was back in October where she talked about this. And we, we broke it down because it's this issue of how do you even begin to claim to be Christ-like if you don't have a biblical basis? Um, she, you know, she does make the, the comment, well, biblical has to be in alignment with uh, Jesus's life and teachings. But where do we get the knowledge of Jesus's life and teachings? You know, um, if you don't have a biblical perspective, and, and a biblical perspective is one that encompasses from Genesis to Revelation, everything that the Word of God has to say. You know, we go back to what you know Paul said to Peter, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture, all of it, including the New Testament. And by the way, Jory. Um, Yes, you you like to say, well, Peter's not, or Paul's not Jesus. Well, Paul was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, inspired as an author of Scripture to write uh, um, <clears throat> Scripture, as Peter points out, yeah, that his writing was indeed Scripture. So all of Scripture 
is breathed out by God, so inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for <clears throat> correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be what? A complete, equipped for every good work. So, in other words, to be biblical, and, and, and brother, I, I, I would love for you to dive in on this part, but to be biblical is somebody who has studied the Word of God in such a way that he understands what God has said, what God expects, what God wants us to change, what he wants us to do, and how we should live. Why? So that we may be equipped. We are, compl we are completely equipped. We have everything that we need to do what? Uh, the good works that he has set for us. So when someone says you, you, it's not to be biblical, but to be Christ-like, they are completely playing a, com a, a massive word manipulation game because they know that genuine biblical you know, a, a genuinely biblical understanding of Christ means we're going to do everything he says because Christ says, why do you call me Lord if you don't do everything that I, or all that I have commanded? So, I mean, you're, let's start with you on this. When you hear someone say, be, you know, what's it mean to be biblical versus what she's saying? How would you address that? Well, the, okay, so we got two words, right? Christ-like and biblical. The, the reason she doesn't want to be biblical is because biblical means using the Bible as an objective standard. And that's what she doesn't want. Because if, if we are looking at the Bible objectively, which she can't do, and the reason I say that she can't do is because what she has to do is use the culture to interpret the Bible to mm -hmm. get to the position she holds to. The, the fact that she'll take a passage like, you know, 1 Timothy 2, 12 and following, and say, well, that's Paul. Paul's not Jesus, so it doesn't count. It's only the red letters that count, not realizing um, the whole Bible's the red letter. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was all written by God. And so, yes, even what Paul wrote was by God. She now denies that altogether. And so the, the fact is she doesn't want to be biblical because of the fact that that's an objective standard. We can, we can check that with what she says. But then what does it mean to be Christ-like? Well, I don't think she means what the Bible means to be Christ-like, Yeah, to be like Christ. Why? Because she supports homosexuality and Christ did not. She supports female pastors and Christ did not. I mean, there, there's some clear things that she supports. She doesn't support the Bible as the Word of God, but Christ yeah. did. So when, when she says Christ-like, what she's doing is, as many have done, well, if you're a Christian, you would act this way. In other words, they, they use this as the hammer to hammer Christians into saying, well, I want you to get in line with what I believe or what culture says you should believe. And, and you as a Christian should be loving. And and this is the this is the false gospel of God is love, and yeah. that's what she believes in. That everything is about loving one another. But the, their definition of love is God should spoil you. God gives you everything you want, anything you want you should get. And we any child that we see that's raised that way, we don't want to be around. There is a, a proverb that many know incorrectly. <laughs> okay. Train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from that. Now, many people think that what that is, is some sort of promise to say, if I train my child in the way of the Lord and he goes astray uh, later in life, he'll come back. No, that's not what it's saying. In, in the Hebrew, what you end up seeing there is it says you train up a child according to his self-will, his pride, his, his selfishness. You let him get everything he wants and he's never going to depart from that. 
That's what it's actually saying. So yes, in, in reverse of that, yes, you train a child against his self-will. You break his will to, to realize he can't go that way. That, that's the, the role of a parent. So what you see is someone like Joya Miker thinks that, well, we should, God should just give us everything we want. He should spoil us. So when they use these words, they're redefining them. Love, the way they define love is spoiling, which actually the Bible would say is hating a child. So this is why she doesn't want a biblical standard, because a biblical standard would would redefine her definition of love, would redefine her, her view of how Christians should respond to homosexuals, whether women should be pastors, whether she should be in ministry, whether she's actually a Christian, because mm-hmm. she denies the fundamentals of the faith. Yeah. So I, th- I think this is why they like the idea of Christ-like, because they can redefine that and mold that the way they want. And it's kind of interesting because she says that's what people do with biblical. But biblical means you have a standard, the Bible, that you go back and compare to. Now, you've already brought out the fact that you're not going to know what Christ-like is apart from the Bible. This is almost like Andy Stanley who, you know, wants to say, hey, you know, we, we, we could know about the resurrection. Everything's about the resurrection, but we don't need the Bible. Yeah. How do you know about the resurrection then? Exactly. <laughs> Which is funny, too, because you bring him up. One of the respondents to Miss Micah was, in fact, Andy Stanley, and he leaves a one-word answer where he says, yes. Yes. In other words, he agrees with what Miss uh, Micah has said here, that, you know, that... Uh, that the goal is to be Christ-like, not biblical, but and you can use the Bible to justify anything. So you have to be like Jesus. And the problem is, is as you've pointed out, and by the way, Andy Stanley has been unhitched from Scripture for years, so I'm not shocked by this at all. Uh, <laughs> but the the problem is, is that can someone use the Bible in such a way as to justify something that is unchristlike and unbiblical? Of course. I mean, let's take everybody's favorite su- uh, subject you know, uh, that's all the rage today and talk about slavery. There were people that... Oh, but you're going to talk about plagiarism, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's, a, that's another issue. <laughs> we did that one already. Um, but, you know, we know that you know during the, the slave days of America that there were people who used Scripture pro- and, and very much incorrectly and, uh, again, out of context to justify it because the Bible speaks to how to treat people who were slaves in a biblical sense. And so can you use the Bible wrongly? Yes, they did. We know that's the case. We know that there were some informed by the Bible, even though they held to, held slaves, who treated their slaves the way the Bible commanded. So they were were they wrong about how they were uh, that they were owning slaves? Yes, were they trying to apply it in a time and place in which was in a biblical manner? Also, yes. So you can use the Bible incorrectly. You can also do it in the context that you're in and have the wrong perspective on something, but yet still try to be mindful of what Scripture has said. So there's multiple ways that can happen. But in being biblical and actually being biblical and actually submitting to the Word of God as your sole source of authority, as uh, uh, understanding it to be inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, authoritative. You are believing everything that it says, and you are aligning your life. That is genuine biblical, uh, a genuinely biblical uh, outlook on life. And that's how you align yourself to Christ, because Christ himself said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. We are called to be those who are living lives 
in righteousness, in holiness, set apart from the world, living in this world, being a light unto this world, doing the good works that God has set, set forth for us to do. But we can't do any of those things if we are not in alignment with the word of God. So when Jory Micah or someone else says, well, it, you can justify anything by uh, with a biblical perspective, that's wrong. Because a biblical perspective is taking all of those things. That's why Paul, when he says in, uh, you know, I think it's First Corinthians, or excuse me, I just hit the wrong button. Now I got to get back to where I was. Um, but I think it's, uh, yeah, First Corinthians 11, 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. How is he, how does he know how to be uh, like, uh, like Christ? Because he's a student of the word. He was taught by Christ himself for three years. He studied and knew the word in backwards and forward. He had a, you know, been taught by the Savior himself. He knew how all of these things were to line up. And he says, in those areas in which I am in alignment with the word of God, because this is the same one who said in, to Timothy, all of scripture is authoritative. All of scripture is what we uh, you know, submit to. All of scripture is what makes us equipped for every good work. So when he tells the Corinthians in, you know, in, uh, in his letter to him to be imitators of me as, uh, as he is of Christ, how is he uh, understanding that? By understanding that the word of God is what trained him up. And when he's writing to Timothy, he says, look, you were trained in the scriptures. You've been brought up since your youth. So there's only one way, but you know you can you know, that you can be Christ-like. And so, when you say that you know when they're wanting to redefine what Christ-like means, you're absolutely correct, because what they're saying is, be like me as I have defined Christ. Not like Paul says. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. No, 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 no. You know, Micah, Joe Lumen, and others are saying, be Christ-like as I claim Christ was like. In other words, be Jory-like, be Joe Lumen-like, be Andy Stanley-like. And it is a, it, it was a, 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 basically an outright admission that they have created a Christ in their own mind, a, a Christ who is like them, and they get to define. And then when, it, when you confront them with Scripture, no, 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 that's, that, that was Paul, he was misogynistic. Oh, no, 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 that's Old Testament, we need to unhitch that. Oh, no, 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 that, that you know, they, they were old fuddy-duddies, they didn't understand, you know, uh, you know, um, it, it, what relation, you know, sexual relationships in the 21st century would be like. So it is a redefinition and an admission, straightforward admission, that they do not believe that Christ of the Bible is the actual Christ. You know, it's interesting you bring up the, the slavery because what a, many people don't realize, many even Christians don't know, uh, but may make the argument that we're Christians are wrong because they the Bible supports slavery, and those that actually did use the Bible to support slavery, they used the slavers' Bible. What was the slavers' Bible? A Bible where they ripped out all the sections that say you should not kidnap a person. You know that that all the things that talked against what they were doing, they didn't want their slaves to hear that in the reading, so they created the slavers' Bible that cut everything out. <laughs> that they did wrong. That reveals that they knew they were doing exactly what Joya Micah does. Just cut out the sections that she doesn't like. Mm -hmm. That's why she's a red letter Christian. Because she thinks oh, we only count the red letters. Those count more. And this is what ends up happening with people like this. You, you're mentioning unhitched with, with Andy Stanley. A Andy Stanley wants to unhitch the Old Testament. One of his arguments was because it deals with slavery. He doesn't like the idea of slavery. Now, here's an interesting thing. If you go through every book of the New Testament, 
and unhitch every book of the New Testament that refers back to the Old Testament, you are left with one book in the New Testament. What is that book? Philemon. What is Philemon about? Slavery. Paul telling an escaped slave to return because that's the right thing to do. The very thing Andy Stanley wants to get away from. Andy Stanley is left with nothing. So that's why he goes, it's the resurrection. Yes, we, we, it's all the resurrection. Um, the, the reality that you see with what they're doing is they want to recraft mm-hmm. a Christianity that they would like. Yeah. One that they could believe in. Now, have we seen this before in history? Mm, yes. Uh, we have the Old Testament Judaism. And what happened? They recrafted it into what we call today rabbinic Judaism, the Judaism of the Second Temple, which is all based on doing laws. A bunch of here's a bunch of rules that are, we would find in what's called the Talmud, and in there we're going to to see all the things that everyone has to obey. It's it's a bunch of do this, don't do that, and guess what? That's not biblical. What did they do? They recrafted God and his rules, what he expects, into something they can manage, something that they want. And, and you know, Dre and Micah's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the sad part is, is it's, it's this effort to appease the culture, to make, you know, to make us more likable to the culture, to bring the, the, the culture into the church so that we don't feel the conviction, we don't feel the, uh, the sting of sin, we don't feel the Holy Spirit working in our lives to convict us of sin and righteousness and holiness, as Scripture tells us. That, that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. And so it was interesting because I'm, I'm starting to read some books on you know, the, the, uh, you know, the sufficiency of Scripture, the, uh, you know, the in, in, infallibility, inerrancy. So the well, first I'm glad, I'm glad because if you're reading any more on white fragility, I mean, you're gonna, you don't have much hair left. <laughs> I don't have much sanity left, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was reading John MacArthur's uh, book, Final Word, and in the second chapter he says, but the only way to be in sync with the culture is to diminish the presence of the uh, Word of God. Because unregenerate culture will always be fundamentally and irreconcilably incompatible with the truth of God. So you have individuals who are embracing the, the culture at large because it appeals to their sinful nature. It appeals to what makes their, uh, burn in, uh, their, their flesh burn with desire. They want that. They don't want the word of God. Why? Because the culture is incompatible, irreconcilably incompatible, incompatible, as John MacArthur said. And so what you have is an, an admission that the word of God is way too much for me. To be biblical contradicts what I want, what I desire, what the way I want to live. So I want to be able to pick and choose those few things Kind of do the Jesus seminar thing where they took all the votes and they said, "Here we believe in about this much, this, this tiny sliver of the the New Testament where we think this is the historical Jesus," and that's what we have with Jory Micah and with Andy Stanley and with uh, others where they're saying, "We want to take this small sliver that we have redefined to say this is love, this is this is caring, this is justice, this is you know being Christ-like." And that small sliver is where they've blacked out the rest of the Bible, is where they say that that's how you be Christ-like. But they've defined it in unregenerate terms. They've defined it in 
sinful man's terms. They've rejected the notion that man in without Christ is unregenerate. They've rejected that you're dead in trespasses and sins. And they have said you cannot use the rest of the word of God because that's going to make people uncomfortable. That's going to make them feel unloved. That's going to make them feel unfulfilled. And so for, to be able to say, well, you can justify anything biblically. Well, what Jory is talking about is what you said at the beginning. Biblical says, Jory, you can't be at the pulpit teaching because you're you're biblically disqualified. Jory, you can't support uh, homosexual marriage because homosexuality is a sin before God and, and he will condemn. You, you, you can't uh, say that there's multiple ways to God. Jory, the, the word of God says this about Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So when she hears that, she's saying, see, you're justifying hatred. You're justifying uh, being cruel and oppressive. You're justifying misogyny. You're justifying, uh, 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 you know, uh, racial bigotry, whatever. That's what she's talking about when she says, well, you can justify anything with a biblical perspective. What she's saying is you can justify what the Bible actually says that I don't like. And that's the problem. So for Jory, the only way you can be Christ-like is to be Jory-like. And when you've basically slashed the Bible into ribbons and found those few verses that you like and then said, this is biblical, this is, this is Jesus' life and teachings. What what she actually does is some, there is a book of the Bible we can look to. What she does is in the first century, there was a teaching known as Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. And that is what she practices. Gnosticism is this idea that you can have a, a higher spiritual understanding. And that is what she does. Now, I, I'm, I'm saying this from someone who has had interactions with her. She has now blocked me on all social media. Um, so I, I don't have... Well, actually, I do have her phone number and email, ah, but, da, 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 da. but I, I was told I can't give that out and ask everyone to call. Yeah, so, don't, don't right. do that. <laughs> uh, but the the thing that we end up having is she believes that she's enlightened and she knows better mm -hmm. than someone like I or you or anyone else that would just read the Bible. But there is a book that responds to this, and it is the book of First John. Why was First John written? First John was written because the Gnostics had this belief that. There, anything physical was evil, anything spiritual was good. And so they would actually say they could sleep with a prostitute. And as long as they didn't give their spirit over to it, it was fine. They weren't sinning. In other words, they would justify their sin to say that this is acceptable. And that's exactly what she does, justify sin to make it acceptable. What does the Bible say? Well, I, I mean, I'm tempted to just read all of first john but uh, and I, I mean just read through that and look at her her life and what she promotes but you end up seeing that this book says uh if we say we have if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is one of the issues, and this is one of the verses that I used with, with Joya when talking with her, is the fact that she has fellowship with darkness. She supports things that the Bible says is wrong. She is a promoter of darkness. Then she can't have fellowship with the light. This is the, the point. We see throughout that what, what she loves is the, the very things that God hates. She she had, you know, we, we, we can see that what First John is going to say is for this, um, 
do not love the things of the world, nor the thing, uh, um, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. What is it that she promotes? She promotes the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the, the boastful pride of life. That, so it's not me saying she's not of the Father. It's Scripture saying she's not of the Father because of what she is saying she promotes. So what is all this that she promotes? Well, it's the world. And the world, according to 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away. Also, it's lusts and the one who does the uh, and and the but the one who does the will of the Father lives forever. So she's in contrast with Scripture. This is the whole point that you end up seeing. She is in a position where she everything she promotes, everything she wants to say that we should be about. We shouldn't be speaking about the Bible. We shouldn't be biblical. We shouldn't be looking to this text. We should be looking to what the culture says. Well, what is the culture? The culture is the world. The culture is how she def- how she defines everything. The culture is how she interprets the Bible. You want proof? Ask her her position on 1 Timothy 2, 12 and following, and she's going to say, well, that's Paul. That's just his opinion. That's not having anything to do with what, you know, with what should happen in the church. That's just something that was in that time. There was a, some loud, rebunctious women that, that he was dealing with. Well, you might make that argument, but that's not how Paul makes his argument, because Paul's argument, he gives two purposes for it. A woman should not instruct a man or have a th- or have authority over a man. Why? Two reasons. One, Adam was created first. Now, I could be wrong, but that goes all the way back to creation. That's the creation order. Adam was created first. Reason one. Reason two, Eve sinned first. That's the sin order. You know what neither of those are? Neither of those arguments are based in culture. Both of those arguments are based in creation. And so what Paul's argument and God, since the Holy Spirit wrote that, the argument God would make is a woman shouldn't be teaching or having authority over a man because of God's creation order and man and, you know, because women sin first, the human sin order. So this goes back to creation. What does she do? She says culture. Mm -hmm. Culture is her ultimate authority, not God, not his word. A Christian's ultimate authority is God and his word. Now, she claims to be a Christian. Well, you know, 1 John speaks to that as well. They went out from us because they were not really of us. For had they been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they were not of us. Joy Micah claims she was a Christian or is a Christian, but she has gone out she, she denies the, the essentials of the faith. Therefore, I would say, according to Scripture, she went out from among us. She doesn't want to be biblical because she's not of us. Now, what, what this really gets to, this is something I've been pondering, Chris, uh, as, as I've been dealing with some different topics, abolitionism and things like this. And the, the big struggle that I think we have within Christianity as a whole is far too many Christians and churches and ministries are preaching morality over yeah. holiness. 
And this is the key. There's a big difference here. You know, like everyone is arguing with in the abolition movement, arguing for ending abortion because babies are being murdered. And I agree with that. Yep. But it's based on the fact that God's holy. Just ending of abortion, that doesn't, that's not, what good does that do in the, in the scheme of things? Yeah. Right? In, in the, really what you need is, is people's souls to be saved. And when these churches teach morality, and that's really what Joy Micah is trying to do. She's trying to teach her version of morality and says that's Christ-like. But what she's not teaching and what she doesn't want to do is preach holiness right. because that's biblical. Absolutely. And in fact, I mean, okay, you want to say be Christ-like. Well, what did Christ say? We go back to John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So Christ emulated his Father. And his Father, from Genesis to Revelation, reveals to us in his word what our expectations are. And it's also Christ who said that, Be holy, for I am holy. So it's exactly what you said, that Christ emulating his Father demonstrating his father's will on this earth to us and revealing to us in his word, giving us the Holy Spirit who indwells us, points us back again and again and again to holiness. We are called to holiness. And for people to say, well, you know, the law was, you know, we're not under the law under grace. Well, Paul himself wrote that if, you know, just because we're under the under grace, does that mean we can, we can go ahead and sin? He says, absolutely not. The point of the law for the Christian is that is how we know what we are to be. That is the holiness that we are called to. That is how we know what Christ was, because Christ is, you know, doing everything while he was here on this earth, did everything that his father, uh, he saw that his father did. So having the same, you know, being God, being having all the same attributes as God the Father, having all the same desire, intent, and uh, purpose, having given the word and revealed it, he says, be holy for I am holy. You know, but, uh, you know, so we are to be obedient and to be Christ-like in the so much as that we are to be holy. We are to be, as the word reveals, in alignment with the law of the moral law of God. We are called to be separate and apart. So we don't have the freedom to say, well, I don't, I think it's okay to be loving and allow for this because that's how, I go back to the issue of uh, same-sex attraction, marriage, homosexuality, whatever you want to call it. That's loving. Well, no, that's not what Christ said. That's an abomination. He says, you know, that we are not called to that. that and he did say it was because he affirmed biblical marriage saying that do you not know or do you know in the beginning god made gave them uh, made them male and female and he affirmed biblical marriage meaning this is the design and purpose of marriage so you can't come in and say to be christ-like is to love so you can affirm and celebrate a uh, an institution that god says is an abomination and that's the problem is is that we when they say we want you to be christ-like they don't want to go to First John. They don't want to go to uh, uh, to, to John chapter five, nine, verse nineteen. They don't want to go to uh, to Romans. They don't want to go to these passages because it destroys the possibility of defining Christ-like as being Jory-like or Andy Stanley-like or whatever. 
I you know I can't I, I can't say be be like me and I and, and I'm emulating Jesus and then reject everything that the Word of God says about that. I I've defined I've created an idol in my heart and in my mind and I said this is Jesus Christ. This is the one whom I worship. Funny, he looks an awful lot like me, sounds an awful lot like me, and and lives an awful lot like me. But it's Jesus. I believe. Trust me, he's Jesus. And it's like no. You, you have to conform to the image of Christ, and there's only one way you can do that, and that is to do what he has done. He, he spoke not of his own accord. He spoke everything that the, the Father said. He did not do of his own accord. He did everything that the Father said. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? Convicts us uh, you know, uh, of you know, uh, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Points us what? Back to Christ. So everything about Scripture points us to Christ, and Christ says, I do what my Father says to do. So we have to look at the scripture in its entirety, and we can't just dismiss the idea that um, being, you know, that being biblical is just somehow being mean. It's being judgmental. It's being harsh. Not if you're going through the scriptures line by line, precept upon precept, and uh, coming to understand what he has taught us and told us to do. That's what we were made for. Well, first John tells us that the way to you know that we test things to test the spirits by what by the word of God. So what do we do? We compare what what she's saying. She wants to be Christ-like. Well, if you're going to be Christ-like, you're going to be righteous. What does First John say? First John three seven and eight. Uh, little children, make sure no one deceives you. Which tells us what that people can be mm-hmm. deceived. So make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. So right there, you end up seeing very clearly what she practices, what she promotes is sin. And when you promote sin, you are of the devil. That's not me saying it, Joya. That's the Bible. Now, I know you don't want to be biblical. Well, the reason you don't want to be biblical is because the the Bible calls you out. That's what biblical means, to go to the Bible. And the Bible calls you out. And I could tell you from firsthand experience, she doesn't want to be called out. Now, if you've ever dealt with her, it's, you know, her, Beth Moore, and a lot of these others, they they have this really neat trick that they do. (laughs) They say something, when you criticize it, in other words, you correct it, you give scripture, they don't respond. All their followers jump on and respond. And so that's why they can just sit there and go, oh, I'm not saying anything. And they let everyone else say vicious things about you. The reality is is that what I end up doing with her or what I did with her is I, I pointed out that she won't answer because she knows had she, if she answers, mm-hmm. she's going to have to give an account for things. And she doesn't want to do that. That's why she's letting all of you respond for her. Yeah. And, and I end up saying her response, her only response to me will be to block me. And it was really funny because that kept her from blocking me for like three months <laughs> because I told her, you're going to block me. No, no, I don't do that. She's blocked. <laughs> me. She, you know, she first blocked me on Twitter. Now she blocked me here. And she did it because of the fact that she doesn't want to hear correction. No. You know, one of the things that with a Christian is that a Christian is going to be someone that's defined as somebody who forgives others because they have been forgiven. 
And so what that means is when we get corrected, we appreciate it as Christians. Anybody who takes the correction immediately blocks you, like, like she does with everybody, that's a sign of somebody who doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because they want to believe their lies. Uh-huh. You know, the lo- because the love of God is, is not within her. And the, the, so why does she say she's a Christian? Very simple. Darkness does not divide against darkness. Okay, you don't see this within Islam and these other false cults. You, you don't see them having to divide like this and, and all cl- make claims. The, the, the Mormons, they said, we as Christians, we've fallen away. Mm-hmm. And they're the real Christians. Now what do they say? We're Christian too. Jehovah's Witnesses used to say, we had a you know, false view of God. We weren't legit. Now what do they say? We're Christians too. Catholics used to say we're anathema. We're, all, we're going to hell. There's no hope for us because we believe in, in salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Now they go, we're Christians too. They all want to be Christians. Why? Because they're of the devil. They want to be like the devil. They want to appear as an angel of light so that they can deceive people, so that they could take people and lead them astray. And so when people say, well, I want to be like Christ, what does it mean to be like Christ? Folks, the first thing you do when you have someone that says something like this is ask that question. What does it mean to be like Christ? Doesn't that mean we follow like Christ? Shouldn't that be what it is? Well, what, what is Christ like? Well, he was meek. He was mild. When, when he was wronged, he said nothing. He was humble. How humble was he? Well, you know, Philippians chapter 2 tells us this. It, it gives us an idea of, of Christ, of being like Christ. So this is, uh, and they just read some of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation in love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection uh, and compassion, make my joy complete by having the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose. Okay, so this is the goal of the Christian. What's the example? He gives us the example starting in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amen. That's Christ. Amen. He humbled himself. He didn't raise himself up like Joya does. Yeah. He lowered himself. He was he is God of the universe, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and he came to earth to be a man, to die on a cross. He subjected himself to being part of his own creation, to be murdered by his own creation. Now, Joya Michael is out there, you know, wanting to promote social justice and argue that we have to have justice for people on this earth and everything should be fair for everybody and everyone should have equality and, e- and equity. And if you don't know those words, then you haven't been listening to Voice of Reason Radio for long because <laughs> they've been explained. So go back and binge the old episodes. But 
the reality is, is that's what she's going to argue for. Yeah. That's not what Christ argues for. Christ doesn't say everything has to be fair. He came into a world, the only one that never sinned. He who knew no sin became sin that we may become the righteousness of Christ. Amen. He took on sin onto himself so he can make that payment for us, that we could be set free. This is a radically different message than what, what these people like Jordan and Micah are saying when they say to be Christ-like. Christ went to the cross. That's, that's not social justice. That's not, hey, no one, if I feel oppressed, then you have to make right by me. Everything in social justice is about me, my rights, what I want, and everyone else should be thinking about me. Yeah. That's social justice. What is the message of Christ? It's not about you. Amen. You know, this is the problem with the ministry that if you've, you know, the ministry, I am second. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that. The problem yeah. with it is it's wrong. God is first. Everybody else is second. I'm last. <laughs> I'm last. <laughs> okay. That's opposite to what Joy is, is, is preaching when she says Christ-like. Amen. You know, it's funny because you were saying, you know, everything about what they say is about what I have rights to. I mean, if, listening to, for example, uh, Daryl and Virgil, and they're just recent, just thinking, and they're talking about women preaching in the pulpit. And he said, you know, they, I think it was Daryl that said, can you imagine coming into God's church and demanding your rights, which is what all of this is. It's about demanding what I believe I'm entitled to. I believe that I should be able to live in such a way that I don't care what the word of God says, but I love people who do what I do, so therefore I'm Christ-like. And it's, it is such an, a flipping over of the entire system of Christianity to be able to say it's about me as opposed to Christ. You know, I was thinking about what you said, and I was looking at Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, starting in verse 1, and you were dead in trespasses and sins, and when you once walked... Uh, kind of like going to 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you. So in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, uh, of the, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So I mean, in our natural state, we're doing what we want. It's all about me. I'm, I'm, I'm following the, you know, the, the, the burning passion of my flesh. And I'm a child of wrath in that state. But he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Stop there. The great love with which he loved us. So we are children of wrath. But his love, because of his love, he shows mercy. And even, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus. There's nothing about that that's fair. Daryl Harrelson made that really clear on the Just Thinking uh, episode. Nothing about that's fair. Nothing about that is is, is uh, equity or equality. That is us getting nothing we deserve. He takes us and changes us and saves us and sits us at the right in the heavenly places with Christ. Absolutely unfair. Absolutely. And yet 
grace, mercy poured out from the cross so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is his work, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You come in and you say, I'm Christ-like and I get to do X, Y, and Z. What are you saying? This is about me. But here's the linchpin. For we, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We exist as Christians for his glory. We are his workmanship. We get to be on display for eternity as trophies of his grace. So the idea that you get to come in and say, I have the right to preach because I don't care what the Bible says, that's a cultural thing. I get to, you know, to love someone of the same sex, which, you know, she supports. I mean, I, I, she's married, she's got a husband. But I think people should be able to do that. I want to be able to be known for loving people for doing that. I want this. I want this. I want, this is what is being preached when this person says, well, you need to be Christ-like. No, that's not Christ-like. Because Christ-like means I'm surrendered to, to God. I have done exactly what Christ did. You made it absolutely clear. Christ in obedience to his father, sacrificed himself for his bride, died on the cross so that we could live as we always lived? No. Go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Idolaters, you know, like creating a Christ in your own mind and then saying that's Christ-like. Nor men who practice homosexuality. Hmm, that's, a, uh, it, gee, that's awfully unloving for Paul to have said. Nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our, of our God. You are a changed being. You don't exist for yourself. You don't exist so that you can have your rights. You can have be yourself on display. You can promote your idolatry or your sexuality or whatever else. You die to that. You were you used to be that. You are no longer. We used to live in the passions of our flesh. We are now new creations. So the idea that you can say uh, to be biblical is is to not be Christ-like or to redefine biblical as being this is this is how what Christ looks like. He looks an awful lot like me. He looks at, he he uh, he approves of all the things I approve of. That's so backwards. That is so idolatrous. It is such a the destruction of what it means to be Christ-like. And that is what, when I see something like that, I, you're right, migraine-inducing. <laughs> and by the way, she blocked me way before she blocked you. I got caught up in a mass blocking when she was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with James White and his uh, his daughter, Summer. This was a while ago. She, she went on a, and she, and she bragged about it. Anybody associated with James White, man, wham! I, I got caught up in the blocks. I have to go, like do the work around through other accounts or use a, the incognito mode to see this stuff sometimes. And I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to read this stuff because I was like, why is everybody up in an uproar? And I looked and I went, oh no, not again. <laughs> we just covered this. But it is the reason this is so important is that there is a an entire American evangelical church that really believes that Christianity should be on board with things like social justice, should be on board with things like LGBTQIA+. I'm running out of letters. Um, and 
should be on board with uh, socialism, the whole nine yards, because that's loving. But that's a world's definition. It is a secular definition being opposed upon Scripture. And I've been saying for a while now, I genuinely believe there's a time coming when we have like the Bidens who and the and those that are pulling his strings, who say, and folks, you got to listen to his uh, or Andrew's podcast. It's going to be in the show notes when they do that you know, domestic terrorism thing. And they're going to look at a biblical church and they're going to say domestic terrorist center. And they're going to look at a Andy Stanley church or a Rick Warren church or heaven help us if anybody ever puts Jory Micah in a preaching, preaching in a church. Um, they're going to look at that and go, not domestic terrorist. Or, that, that, that's a godly church. That's a, that's a biblical church. That's, that's, a, that's a good church. That we can trust that church. And I believe this kind of mentality and the reason it's important to talk about these things is because this is what we're up against. This is what the Christian church at least should be aware of. Because sadly, and and I know there many have said it, sadly we kind of were asleep at the switch when the whole uh, critical race theory thing blew up because that had been going on for decades. It's been going on for a very, very long time. It's just been, a, we weren't watching for it. And we said, okay, as long as we're preaching the gospel and we're preaching sound theology, we're good. And we can point to people who do those churches. And people who came out of churches and seminaries that were teaching those things are now some of the biggest proponents of these, these ungodly belief systems. And it's like, how did we get there? Because we didn't pay attention. We, we don't have to know everything, but we should at least be aware of what's going on. And Jory Micah doesn't deserve the following she's gotten. And... and heaven help us some of us are responsible for getting her in the spotlight because we interacted with her so much i'm catching grief right now online because i say maybe we should stop interacting with another such <laughs> such nightmare uh but we've given them a spotlight so sadly she has a spotlight she doesn't deserve but her arguments are the problem her arguments aren't unique she got that teaching from her the seminaries she went to she got that from people who affirm what she believes and so we have to know this. We have to be aware of it because we have to be able to say, this is what the Word of God says. It's not what you want to call biblical. That's not biblical. That's anti-biblical. That's godless. That's a, that's a rejection of, the, of Christ. Christ-like is this. And we have to be able to at least be aware of those arguments. And that's why I felt talking about this was important. You know, one of the things, you, you brought up a lot of things, you know, for folks that may not raise, when we talk about equality and equity, think of it as a race, okay? At the beginning of a race, what we would believe biblical is in, equal, in equality being we all start at the same point. What they teach in equity is we all end at the same point. It's an impossible goal. Biden sits there and talks about equity in the end. But you know what? Biden's still president. If you're going to have real equity, we're all president. Right. That would be the reality. Yep. And so they don't do that. Now, here's the thing. You know, if you, you brought up first Corinthians six, I mean, you start at verse one, this blow, this passage blows out the argument against social justice and all the things that joy and Micah stands for. Why? Because at the beginning, what does it say? It's talking about, it's talking about justice issues. Does any one of you, when he has a case against the neighbor, dare go to the law before the right unrighteous and, and not before the saints? Or do, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, you are not, uh, uh, you are not competent to constitute the smallest in the law courts. Now watch this. But you 
do not know that we will judge angels, how much more judge the matters of this life? They, what are they all focused on? Judging matters of this life. Well, here's what it ends up saying. When it comes to these courts, you go to court. What is it he end up saying? Verse 7. Actually, then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits against one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? Mm -hmm. This is this is opposite to social justice. So she so the scriptures don't support her when it comes to her views on social justice. As you already mentioned, as you continue on, it talks about in this long list of sins that she promotes, fornication, idolatry, adultery, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covenant drug, all those that you were those things. In other words, you changed. This is this is the whole thing with her is that the the message of the Bible, the biblical message, is in opposition to what she teaches, and that's the thing that we we end up seeing. She needs to, no, oh, gee, she's not going to be happy with this. She needs to repent. Yes, it's a yep. biblical word. I, I don't want to be too biblical for her, <laughs> but yes, that's what she must do. Repent. That's the idea. There, we repent from the worldly behaviors that she practices and promotes, and we look to Christ, okay? And this is, the, this is the difference that we have to see with her. This is something that when we look, she's just, she's not in a, a position where, you know, she is looking to really be biblical. She doesn't want to be in a, a biblical she wants to have her way she wants to as you have said she wants to create an idol yeah and that and that's really what this boils down to is the the world hates christ we know that to be true christ himself said that that would be the case so the issue at hand is we you know we have two perspectives we have one that says i'm going to adopt the ways of the world i'm going to adopt the beliefs of the world and I'm going to call myself a Christian, and I'm and I'm going to say that's that's loving, that's Christ-like, etc. And then you have the biblical worldview, which from Genesis to Revelation gives us everything we need to know about life and godliness and what it means to actually be Christ-like. And so, for the Christian, we cannot be beguiled by someone who comes along and says, "Well, I want I want you to be loving, I want you to care about people, I want you to do these things." But I don't want you to do it in a way that is defined by Scripture. Do it the way I have defined it. We can't be beguiled by that because it doesn't come in a, 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 with a bright spotlight saying false teaching. <laughs> it doesn't. It isn't neon light that says this is a would lie. It, it would make it real easy. But it does come up with a nice shiny bow and a package that makes it present itself as though that person is loving. And the question is, what is biblical love? And biblical love reveals the truth of Word of God, that God is going to judge sin. He's going to condemn unrighteousness. And everybody who is not in Christ is on a path to hell. That's genuinely loving. But we know that because God has revealed it from Genesis to Revelation. And the idea that you can call that, put that in air quotes and say, uh, that's that's your biblical. That's 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 your mean biblical. That's the biblical you can use to justify misogyny and hatred and bigotry. That is the that's the nice pretty bow that she wants to be able to wrap it up in and say, I'm the loving one. See, I don't do those things. 
So if the you know as I and I know we got to wrap things up. We're just about out of time here, but if you were to give to to people listening and just taking jewelry off the table for a minute, but to, um, this discussion of of being Christ-like versus being biblical, if there's something one thing that you want to be able to share out of this, what would you say to people when they say? Okay, so I, I I've been told to be Christ-like, and and uh, you know I, I can't use the Bible, or I, I you know I, you know the being biblical is is a mean, uh, just a, a way of saying being mean. What could you say to people to help them understand that, that to be Christ-like means being biblical? Well, I, th- I mean I think we've kind of said it. it. It means that we have to start off by saying what does the Bible say about these things, and we start there. What is the the biblical um, you know, the biblical message. Well, the biblical message is, is quite simple. It's that which we get from the Bible. What does it mean to be Christ-like? Well, how do we know what Christ-like is? We get that from the Bible. Yeah. What is it that, you know, when we looked at First John, what is it that we use to test the spirits? What, what, is, what does God say we use? The Bible. And so, the, over and over again, it's it, the Bible is the answer, and this is what I would say to do is define our terms. I mean, look, I, I debate all the time, right? You know that I do apologetics live every Thursday night. We we have people that come in and we'll, we'll offer debates and challenges. What do we do? Define your terms. What do you mean by that? Can you can you define that? She needs to define what she means by Christ-like. I mean, that would be the thing I would challenge her with: is can you define what? it means to be Christ-like and what it means to be biblical. Now, biblical, properly defined, is to be from the Bible. You, you know, you get your instruction or doctrine from the Bible. To be Christ-like, the definition is to be, well, like Christ. So, so if she wants to be Christ-like, she's going to be like Christ. And as we've already gone through the show, what she's promoting and supporting is not what Christ is like. It's it's the actual opposite of it. And what the scriptures say is that she's of the devil. I, it's, and I know she thinks it's so mean to say that. No, it's the most loving thing I could do to, to warn her. The moment she dies, she's going to face God in judgment. And it's not going to be something that she, it's like, oh, well, let's just rejoice. We can all love one another. No, she's going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. What she needs to do is repent. She needs to turn from trusting herself and her good works and what she thinks is her good nature. She needs to turn and trust Christ because only what Christ did on that cross as a payment of sin is she going to be set free. So that would be my challenge to her or to anyone that follows her is, you know, and I know they're going to say, yeah, it's so mean of you to say she's not a Christian. It's not me saying it. I'm looking at what she's saying. I'm looking at what the Bible says. And I'm saying God is saying it, yeah, not me. Therefore, what's the most loving thing I could do is encourage her to repent. Yeah, Amen, Amen, and folks. Th- this is why this is an important topic. Um, I don't like having to use someone like Jory Micah because, as I said before, I think we we give her too much attention, and she gets a lot of spotlight. The arguments need to be addressed, and Andrew's absolutely correct. She is in rebellion against the Word of God. She is demonstrated time and again she hates the Word of God. She takes a highlighter to the person she likes and, and takes a, a, a basically a Sharpie to the rest and blacks it out and says, 
this I, I I have judged this is a cultural issue. I have judged this is misogynistic. I have judged that Paul is being uh, sinful in this portion here, and this is not this is not uh, infallible or inerrant. That is terrifying to think about when you stand shaking your fist at God and saying, "I sin, I stand over your word. I stand in judgment over your word." And then you look at his followers and you say, "How dare you!" How dare you tell me that the word of God defines me, defines how I'm supposed to live, defines how, how, how I love, how I care, what things I do. How dare you? I've, I, I have demonstrated I am above the, above the word of God. I have judged it. I have decided what is right and what is wrong. Sounds an awful lot like, mm, I don't know, the, a lie in the, in, the, in the garden that you will know right from wrong. Sound familiar? I will ascend uh, you know, to the heights of heaven. I will be like the Most High. Sound familiar? Satan himself. Um, when we stand above the Word of God and we judge it and we say, I will decide what is biblical. I will decide what is Christ-like. And you have to do it what, the way I say it. Rather than looking, as, as Andrew, you just said, f- studying it from the Word of God in context, line upon line, precept upon precept, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. When we do not allow it to be the authority over our lives, and I shouldn't say allow it, I should say we submit to it as the authority over our lives. When we recognize that and humbly bow the knee and submit ourselves before the Lord, we are showing the absolute most arrogant, prideful uh, mentality we can hope to, uh, to share. How dare we? How dare we sit in judgment over the Word of God? How dare we not submit to it? How dare we assume we can know more than God? How dare we can uh, assume that we can define what is Christ-like without the Word of God? That is hubris. That is blasphemous. It is idolatrous of the worst order. And uh, Andrew is right. She needs to repent. So does every person who sits there and agrees with her. Andy Stanley, by the way, repent, sir. How dare you stand upon the and uh, uh, judgment over the Word of God and saying the Old Testament we, we have to unhitch it we have to d- disconnect from all these things to save Christianity How dare you, sir? How dare you agree with her in this? You need to repent because you are not God yet you have set yourself up as God. You have set yourself in judgment of His Word and His revelation. That is why this is important because if we don't do this, if we don't address these arguments, then we are guilty of allowing these challenges to God to go unfettered, that they are just going to you know, march right through. That is, our, that is what we are called to do, that we are to stand as watchmen on the wall. We are to call out the false and we are to promote Christ. And we have to do these things. Do we like doing them? No. Is it, would we rather be like Jude and say, hey, I would rather talk to you about our common faith? Yes. But what did Jude do? But I must write to you about this. I must write to you about these false teachers. We have to. We have to stand up because God's word is that important. God's word is our authority. God's word is what defines our lives as a Christian. And if you can sit there and say, well, I can be a Christian and don't need to read the Bible. I can I be a Christian and I don't really need to go to church. I can be a Christian and not da 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 you're standing shaking your fist at God telling him what you you have decided his word does does and does not govern and that is a terrifying place to be so uh, just this why it was important to do this tonight I, I not 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 the I didn't want to, re, to do a redo but we kind of had to 
So, uh, brother Andrew, I, I appreciate you joining us. I know you got to get up at like the, the crack of dawn tomorrow. So I appreciate yeah, you, you get up in five hours to catch a flight. Yep. Well, you, you, you never sleep anyway. So you, we just plug you in and recharge you once in a while. So, yeah, well, see, I'm, but I'm, I'm a night owl. See, I go to bed at three in the morning. I got to wake up at three in the morning. To catch a flight. It's, it's totally different. You know, I got to like get myself to fall asleep. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, we're not on your show. So you can't do it on my pillow ad. Never mind. <laughs> No, but you uh, you know you could do it with my slippers because you got the slippers. You know? they're, they're they're nice slippers. I just won't wear them when it's 106 degrees. It's really warm over here, man. I know you're on the other side of the country, but it's hot right now. <laughs> if, it, if it's so hot, why don't you take a cold shower? Why are you complaining because your water heater isn't working? I mean, you should be rejoicing that what? you get cold showers. Okay. It was it, it it was leaking. It was like creating a puddle. In my garage. Just close the valve and just enjoy cold water. <laughs> uh, no, I just, yeah, unfortunately that, that, that is, we almost didn't last week. We did not meet because last week a nail, which should have been like a $15 repair turned into a third, $235 tire replacement because we managed to as we always managed to do, Find it and made it make it the most difficult possible. Let's get it right next to the sidewall where it's unrepairable. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. And it was I think Captain America would have had a solution for this. Well sadly, <laughs> Captain America was nowhere to be found. <laughs> so there was that. And then this week this happened, and we I was like, oh okay. Yeah, it's, I, okay, Lord, give me strength because I, I I don't want to you know do another rerun. <laughs> I almost didn't do this week, so it was a rough. It's been a rough week, but uh, you know, I'm glad to have had you had you with us, brother. Because uh, I, I, it's always an enjoy. Is for all the grief we give one another, people don't understand this because I think they they see the interactions and they don't always get it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm grateful for Andrew. He's actually been a, a wonderful brother in Christ, and he's been such a blessing and such an encouragement. Uh, and if you have not tuned into the Rap Report. R-A-P-P report. That's his weekly podcast. Highly recommend you do so. And also check out their, their weekly Apologetics Live, which is on Thursdays. And they, uh, if you go to the, it's the Striving for Eternity. Just go to ApologeticsLive.com. ApologeticsLive.com. Uh, and it's, it's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Eastern. right? And yeah. you can actually watch it live and uh, they'll have the link and for that. Join it. Yeah, you and can join, join it. and ask questions, yeah. give challenges. Harass him from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, we, we can answer any question you have about God in the Bible. Yep. You doubt that? Come on in and yep. join us. Yeah, I, it's I always I always enjoy it. I, I avoided. Sorry, Drew. Uh, sorry, Jim. I avoided the uh, the es- eschatology discussion this week. Actually, you missed a great one. And, and you know where the feedback everyone gave was was the fact not because of the way these two men handled it. Everybody loved to watch, learn from one from them. And and they learn from one another. And that and that's you know, when I started the show. I predicted that they were going to be very kind to one another. They're going to respect one another. Going to they're going to admit where each other has good arguments. Yep. And they did just that. And I expect nothing uh, less from either of them. Both of those are, are wonderful brothers in Christ, Drew Vanita and Jim Osmond. Uh, I I would expect no less. 
Um, so yeah, if you have, if you get the chance, definitely check that out. And uh, the live recording go, does go to podcast. So if you're a podcast type and you're not available for the live, you can uh, you can either watch it on YouTube, which uh, uh, is always always interesting because you get to see the the chat and the interactions. But you can also listen to it via podcast. And uh, I would definitely check those out. All of those, including this program, are part of Christian podcast community. So I, uh, again, if you go to Striving for Eternity and you uh, click on the easier way is Christian. Uh, just go to Christian Podcast com- Podcasting Community dot org. Yeah. So if you go there, you can see all the various programs, including ours. Definitely, again, always recommend you check it out because Andrew made us interview. Andrew's known me for years. He still made me interview uh, to, to be part of Christian Podcast hey, Community. <laughs> I, I got news for you. Let, 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 I don't know. Can I spill this bean beans? My co-host is going to be doing his own podcast, and he had to go through an interview. <laughs> He's my co-host. He still has to go through the whole process. And that's that's what I think is great about it because um, that means that you have some relative certainty that the people doing the podcast on there have been vetted. It, it, you may not agree with everything, but you're, you're not going to get somebody who's a complete wackadoo. Andrew comes close, but it's I try. <laughs> it comes real close. Uh, but he he makes it under the wire, even though it's it's his baby that he's created here. Um, but um, I definitely recommend that you you guys check all those out. And by the way, I, I always I always forget to do this. Slave to the That's the website for Voice of Reason Radio. Go check that out. You can always uh, find our social media links. You can find the RSS feeds the uh, and the various links to how to put the podcast on your favorite app. Uh, and if I don't say it, Andrew will remind me. There's also the little link that says we we won in 2019 for best podcast episode of the year. See if I I knew if I didn't say it, he'd tell you. Um, but and I mean I'm I'm actually on an award winning podcast. <laughs> I still think that I, I still think the on. deck was stacked. I still think the deck was stacked, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also the the links to uh, Doctrine of Life, where you can find the T-shirts on there. And if you want to help support this show, uh, the Patreon link is there. Uh, we just leave that between you and God. Uh, that's that's up to you if you want to help f- support the program. Any support that you <laughs> any support that you would provide would be for specifically you know to basically keep the program up and running. Thanks for paying for the website or Zoom and stuff. We're trying to make use of Zoom because everybody gives me grief for using Skype. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> including andrew actually zoom is is we've had like one voice of reason radio go support now <laughs> so the <Subliminal> messages <laughs> subliminal is supposed to be so quiet you don't detect it andrew you're to- as quiet as a freight train <laughs> support, support now. <laughs> so uh, you can go on to the Slave to the King website. I am trying to be better about putting articles up on there. Um, I'm slowly but surely getting back into that, and uh, hopefully I will be a little bit more productive about it. Uh, maybe a little less time on social media would make that easier. Uh, so I probably should maybe tailor my time a little bit more usefully. Um, but we thank you for being with us this week. We thank you for joining us as you uh, each and every week, as we say. It is a blessing to us because we don't have a program without you guys. Um, yes. I did. I did make a comment about the uh, the chartable thing because it is humbling when you realize you're you have a small platform and that's that's God's doing. He puts us there. That's the people we talk to are the ones that He wants to, us to hear. But once in a while, you're like, whoa, 
I didn't realize we didn't chart at all. And that's, that's, that's a pride thing for me. I have to work on that. So I, I don't want anybody to, you know, to take that kind of conversation and think that that's why we do this. We don't do it for that purpose. We do it because we want to serve God and we want to honor him. So uh, if there's anything you can do uh, for this program, listen, share, and pray for us, especially f for this knucklehead, me, the guy I'm pointing to, that's me, um, because I do struggle with those little issues of pride. And uh, you know, I want, I want to be used by God for his purposes and not for my own. So uh, pray for our brother Rich this week. And uh, I, know, I, I know he's out with his lovely bride. So again, if you happen to uh, be friends with him on social media, wish his uh, bride a happy birthday, Rich. We love you. We miss you. So glad that, uh, Andrew, you could join us. And uh, any last thoughts before we let everybody go? Well, I'm going to have to say, go and share the gospel at least once a day. Hey, hey, Rich, you got one of your, you got one of your lines right. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.